Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, this is Six Degrees with Mike McKenna on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. This episode, I'm joined by NHL veteran John Casey. If you enjoy, please subscribe and rate iTunes, Spotify, all the streaming channels. You can find me, Mike McKenna, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Mike McKenna 56 Sat down with John over coffee. Really cool to hear about his career, his time with the North Stars, the Blues, at North Dakota. Enjoy. John Casey of a 10-year NHL career, much more than that as a hockey player in general. We're in St. Louis. How did you end up retiring and deciding that this was going to be your community once you finished playing? Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, I'm uh, from uh, the uh, Midwest. I'm from Minnesota originally. My wife is from North Dakota. And uh, we ended up here. This is the end of our career, and we really liked it here in St. Louis. The, the people are so nice. The fans are great. And just Midwest people, I think, are some of the best in the country. You grew up in Minnesota, and let's dive deeper into that a bit. Hockey country. How did you decide that goaltending was your calling? Uh, at the time, uh, there weren't a lot of divisions of, uh, of like mites and mini mites, and uh, we had uh, ponies, peewees, bantams in high school. So it was called ponies back then. Yeah, I've never heard that before. Yeah, ponies, peewees, bantams in high school were the only levels, and there were, like you said, it was a hockey area where I grew up. So there were a lot of people back then that wanted to play hockey, and I was young, and uh, I wasn't getting. A, enough opportunity to play is the way I figured it. So there was an opportunity, uh, the goalie didn't show up for a couple of days and I figured, well, at least I'll get to play that way. So, uh, and I was like five or six at that time. And uh, so I started playing goalie and uh, it just seemed to work out from there. So really from the young age, you were in the net right away. You didn't have any experience. Six years old. So maybe just a year or two of playing out before you transitioned to it. Yes. But where I was from, um, there wasn't a whole lot. Northern Minnesota is where I'm from, and there's not a lot to do in the wintertime. So we would be at the rink right after school, and we would be there till 9, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock every night. So we, our practice time was at right after school, so say 3 to 4, and then we would be there after that until 10 p.m. And we had outdoor rinks. Uh, that's where we played most of the time. And we had an indoor rink also, but most of the ice that we had was in the outdoor facilities. And we had a warming shack, so you'd go out there for maybe half an hour, hour, and it'd be cold. You know, sometimes it'd be 30 below, you know. So you couldn't be out there very long. <laughs> right. So you had to come back in and warm back up. And, uh, you know, had, we got uh, frostbite and, and everything. I was going to ask how your toes handled yeah, it. Yeah, toes and fingers. And, yeah. yeah. So the warming shack had a fire that you could warm up next to? and At first, I think it was a wood stove that we had. Then they changed it to uh, like oil or gas or something like that. But it, it gave about the same amount of heat no matter what. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
Tell you what, those AFC West teams are hot right now. It's hard to go against any of them. But if you want a flyer, how about the Ravens? And hey, the Jets are 0-10, but they got to get a win in sometime, right? Take your pick. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. So as you got older and started to progress along, was it a dream of yours to play college hockey before anything else? I think originally, you know, where we grew up, <clears throat> high school hockey was important. So that was uh, the thing that you strove for originally. And then after you got to that point or near that point, then yes, then, then college. And then from there, uh, you wanted to uh, make it professional. So. For you to end up in North Dakota, being from Minnesota, was this a big blow to your family? Well, I would have loved to... Uh, because everybody wants to be a golf, yeah, right? Is that I, yeah? I would have loved to been a, a golfer, but uh, they had two goalies uh, that had scholarships at that time, yeah. and there weren't any availability. And my high school coach went to the University of North Dakota, and he was the assistant coach there for a season or two. So he brought me into uh, North Dakota, and uh, he ended up leaving North Dakota, coming back, but. Uh, got me there and it, it's a great program uh, and always has been and then still is so I wanted to ask you a little bit of this and it might be kind of so sensitive on it though but your feelings of how they've transitioned it from being North Dakota fighting Sioux to be in the what it is now yeah, with the that, Hawks is that, that is a sore a, spot yeah, for alumni sure. <laughs> yeah that's a sensitive spot uh, I went to two high schools my first one was Green Ring Raiders and the second high school was Grand Rapids Indians and shortly after I left the Grand Rapids Indians they changed their name and you know Indians is kind of general so right. I wouldn't think they would have had to but they they did and then uh, the, the NCAA, as far as North Dakota, has been pushing them to change their name for many years. And finally, they won out. And uh, it is kind of a sad, it's like taking part of your history away. Right. Both of those, you know, so, yeah, it's kind of sad to me. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's obviously a sensitive subject, and I can understand the reasoning. And But UND seems so kind of unique, though, because some of the tribes that actually fought for keeping it, I guess, and then and then Anglestad with all the funding that he had for yeah, the arena and things. Yeah, and he is, definitely wanted to keep it, you know, right. and that was part of what he thought of the tradition of North Dakota. And then the emblem that they have now, the Hawks, is, is not a, a very prestigious emblem. And it's it's the, not as powerful either, you know. The Fighting Sioux emblem was a beautiful emblem, yeah. you know, and, and I think there were three tribes and some voted for it and some voted against it, but it's a it's a great emblem. We originally had the uh, Chicago Blackhawks emblem, and we let that go and couldn't get that back. And then the some uh, artist designed this new one, and it it was I think better than the Chicago Blackhawks emblem. It was a beautiful emblem, and it should have been a good representation for the the fighting the Indians, you know, the Sioux Indians, but. I guess it was. That's the way it is sometimes. When when you got to school, did you know that you'd get a chance to play right away? You know, sometimes you show up and a goalie will wait until senior year to get games. You know, even by your sophomore year, you were carrying a bulk of the load there, right? Yeah, it took a little while, longer than I thought. I, mm -hmm. I guess if, if you grew up in Minnesota, 
it, it's kind of a imperception, but you, you think that Minnesota hockey is everything, and it's not. But that's what you think when you're growing up. So you think, and it's a lot of publicity with it. There's a state tournament that millions of people watch. The high school tournament, the high right? High school yeah. state tournament, yes. And and I you, played with a couple Mister Hockeys. You know, that's a foreign term to anybody yeah, outside and, and Minnesota. They think that, and you think at that time that. that you're the greatest hockey there there is out there, but it's not true. But that's what you think. So then you go into into North Dakota, and they have very good hockey players from Canada. A lot of them were Canadians, and and you realize that the Canadians are are very good hockey players, and in most cases probably superior to a lot of the Americans. So it was uh, a challenge, and. I didn't get to play right away, and uh, I thought I had should, but uh, there were very, two very good goalies there that uh, that worked very hard, and, and they were good goalies. So it was very hard to break in uh, to the starting position. Looking back, though, do you think maybe that benefited you having to work for that spot like that? Yes, I never. I worked harder in my college career probably than I ever had before that. And, well, probably the same after, but I, I learned how to work uh, and, and try to achieve, and, and it just didn't come natural, so right. it, it, it was something I had to work for. Your teammate that you had back then, I played with his son, Mark Chorney, at UND, and he yes. told me that you were by far the best runner and skater on the team. Is that what he said? Any truth to that? I don't know about running. Uh, I w- I, I was a good skater. Uh, he said you were the first on every drill. Yeah. That's, un, that's incredible to think about. Because, well, today we wear 50 pounds of gear, and yeah. even then their stuff was really heavy. So, yeah. I mean, that was important to you, obviously. Yeah. I, growing up, uh, my uncle was a coach, my dad was a coach, and we had a lot of skating drills. And I was part of all of those skating. You know, I didn't sit back in the net or most of the skating drills, you know, the ones that they came and shot at you. I'd be going for that, but the others I skated for all and yeah. competed, you know. Did you think that it was, uh, it's something that helped you as a goaltender, though, your skating ability? You know, there's. I, it, I think, sure. Especially because you started at such a young age. Yeah, I, I think it's beneficial, yes. But, you know, when, when um, we, we were talking, uh, I skated forward too a lot. I didn't just always play goalie, so we. When, when our team played, I played goalie. But then for the other four hours or six hours, I did not play goalie. Yeah. I, I played forward and I did skated th- around. And- I did that in the summertime. I'd always take goalie off and play forward in the summer. Well, one, because I love the sport. I just love to play hockey. Yeah. But looking back on it, I think it really helped me develop my whole skill set and the way I see the game. It made me a hockey player and not just a, a goaltender, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Your agility and, and, like you said, how you see things out there. What was your equipment like? Like, as a kid, what you wore, but then by the time you got to college, had it changed a lot by then? Sure. It was terrible when I, when I was a kid. It was uh, like half-inch foam. No plastic, no anything. So the little kids, you know, when I first started, they couldn't shoot all that well, so it didn't hurt that much. But I played with bigger kids a lot, a lot of times, and had, ended up with a lot of bruises. How about your headgear? What did you have for a mask as a kid? I had a, a cage, but uh, the cages now that they have uh, in the form mask are a lot stronger. So I, I was hit one time in the cage and, and broke my nose. Really? So, but some some had like a 
face plate kind of thing, you know, like the older goalies, and those were even worse. Right. So the cages were better, and then have, I had a helmet. So a cage that went like kind of like a uh, catcher. You had the combo, yeah. as they call it now, yeah. Yeah, be like that. So most, most of uh, my uh, minor league or uh, playing in my younger days had that system. By, so by college, did you have a proper goalie mask, or were you still wearing the combo then? Still the same combo, wow. yeah. Yeah. Well, you had a cool experience in junior, or not in junior, sorry, but in college I saw that you got to play World Juniors. So yeah, yeah. What was that I, experience uh, like for you? World World Juniors was great. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, Where it, was it for your season? In, in Minnesota. Oh, perfect. So <laughs> it was in Minnesota, so we didn't get to travel anywhere special, or, uh, but it was still a great experience, and uh, I think we, we did fairly well, you know, for, uh, we did, I don't we wanted or anything but uh, there's a lot of good competition the Russians were there and the Canadians yeah. were there was that maybe a, a first taste at at not just international play but really how broad the game was and how good players were from everywhere yes I, I mean uh, definitely uh, you get to see the best of the Canadian teams and the best of the Russian teams and and Finnish teams and uh, Sweden and, and all them, they're, they're all very good. Yeah. I went to St. Lawrence. So I've, I've got a friend of mine who's in broadcasting now, Dan Rusnowski, who works with the San Jose Sharks, and he was at St. Lawrence at the time. And when I do these things, I always try to get a bit of background. And you know what's so funny about goaltending is that people always remember us for our failures rather than our successes, it seems sure. like. And and the thing that he picks up on is, Mary's do you remember Right. <laughs> no, not even that one. But he asks, you know, do you remember losing 7-5 to St. Lawrence at the RPI tournament in 1981? You know, something so specific like that. Wow. Well, no, I do not. Good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's... You try to celebrate things, right? I mean, you've you had a ten-year National League career, and and this is what we clue in on, you know, are these couple of things. Isn't isn't it funny how, as a goalie, though, we're always either the hero or the, the goat, goat, right? Hero, or the goat. Yeah, I do remember though. Chris Chelios, remember that? Sure. Name? Yeah. He would played for the Badgers, Wisconsin Badgers. Yep. And one game, he shot from his red line, like the goal line, and scored on me. And we ended up losing that game three to zero, but it like bounced and took a tricky bounce, and, and I do remember that. That was just kind of an embarrassing time. But back then, it wasn't on YouTube, so you could kind of <laughs> yeah. you could get by with it, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, well, it wasn't replayed and replayed yeah. and replayed. You must have had fun there with the I mean national championships while you were at North Dakota. Some great players. I mean, I, I'm looking down the list of guys you played with. Maybe you could name a few, but. Some guys yeah, who went on to Jordy, NHL, uh, NHL and, careers. Uh, Chris Jellius, we played against him, but uh, I can't think of this right now. But Ludwig was there as well, Craig right? Ludwig, and uh, we had a lot of very good Dave players. Tippett, you Dave know. Dave Tippett played. He's done okay for himself these days. Another defense. Rick Zombo. Rick Zombo played here. Yeah. Sure. So it's, you know, you had, you obviously had some good support around you. Very uh-huh. good. And the coach, uh, we had a very good coach. Uh, can't come up with his name. Gasparini. Gasparini. But yeah, uh, Gino Gasparini was a very good coach. And uh, he demanded and expected a lot from his players. And I think uh, we developed a lot more under underneath his guidance than we would have anywhere else. So. He had a great college career. And then 
you move on to pro hockey. And you come right out and play in the National Hockey League the same year that you were in college. Did you ever expect that that was possible to happen? Yeah, that was, uh, I was never drafted. So uh, they gave me a tryout. And I guess that was my opportunity. That was. And with the Minnesota No Stars, yeah. Time, maybe my only opportunity that I would have had. So uh, the uh, general manager, Lou Nanny, at the time gave me an opportunity to, uh, to play a little bit. Uh, I think Donnie got hurt. Beaupre. Is why yeah. I got to play a little bit. And uh, so I had a six game tryout with them. And my first game, they put me in, uh, I think, probably the hardest or the, the most fun place to play at that time was in Chicago Stadium. And it was in the old stadium. And it went straight up. Instead of now they back off the seats, right. it went straight up. So it was dangerous for the fans in there. There were more fights. And at that time, we had a lot of fights on the ice, but sure. there were more fights in the stands in Chicago Stadium <laughs> than there were on the ice. Did you have to walk upstairs to get to the ice there, too? Yes. Wasn't it a, yeah, yeah, it was down in the, kind of in the basement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, you could walk into that building and you could feel the electricity. So if you couldn't play in that building, you couldn't play anywhere. I mean, it was just a fun, exciting place to play. What the were best, you? best place to play when I played anywhere. What were your emotions like going into this? You're a Minnesota kid. You're going to play for the Minnesota Stars. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. You know, it was like a dream come true for me. And uh, so got a chance. My first game was in Chicago Stadium, and the first shot went in. Uh, <laughs> and then, like, the fifth shot went in, and, like, the 13th or 15th shot went in, all in the first period. They left me in there, and uh, we ended up winning 6-3 to three in that game. But uh, it was a great experience, and, and just being able to play for Minnesota, that was highlight of my career also. What did the boys in the locker room have to say to you after that one? Well, it, it, they didn't uh, dwell on it too much. I don't think they, you know, goalies, they leave goalies alone a little bit. They don't want to mess with your mind. Goalie, a lot of the game is in your mind. Right. So they didn't really say a whole lot to me about it. They had to be pretty excited for you afterwards, I bet, though. It was, I mean, here comes a kid good, out of college. It was and, good to win, especially well, after the first period. Yeah, the way you came back and won is pretty cool, though. Yeah, the way the team did. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's a team game. Absolutely. You can't do it. That's the thing about goaltending. It's like being a quarterback or uh, any any position. Like you, you have to have the team in front of you. Sure. I think nowadays the, the game has changed a bit. Uh, well, the defense is so good, but the goalies are better, too. Yeah, we talked a bit about it before, How We were laughing how, you know, after a game they'd bring beer in the room, and it was just very different than it is now, right? It's a lot more casual, yeah. It used to be a training camp. You came into training camp to get into shape. That was the idea be, be behind the training camp. But by the end of my career, you they had testing, and you had to be, like, in top fit personal shape, and uh, they had different types of bike testing, the VO2 testing. I didn't like that one. You're talking about Keenan era here. Yeah. Keenan, well, that, and, and that was, uh, he did that, but also in Minnesota they did that wow. too, yeah. But they, the coaches never did it, you know, but but they wanted you to do it, you yeah. know. 
they'd be out back having a cigarette watching yeah. you do this, right? <laughs> yeah, to, to bike and, and press and push as hard as you can with a tube in your mouth is, is not an easy No, it's thing. kind of a claustrophobic feeling, yeah, isn't it? I felt yeah. that. Well, you came out, and after that little bit of tryout, though, you spent the full next season in the American Hockey League with Baltimore. Yeah, and it went pretty well. I mean, you, you won goalie of the year there. Did you feel like you really had that juice behind you that things were working out well at that time? That that was an opportunity that worked out, couldn't have worked out better for me at that time. I had an injury in training camps, which I never had really had any in, injuries. I pulled a hamstring. So that uh, Baltimore was not a Minnesota organization. Oh, so you were loaned out to another I club was then? On loan, it was Pittsburgh's organization. At the time, Minnesota's organization in Toronto and, and some other teams defensively weren't that strong. Offensively, they were fairly good, but not so good for goalies. You know? <laughs> yeah. So their minor league teams were set up the same way. You know, They're kind of offensive-minded. And Pittsburgh's organization was more defensive-minded. So they, they had a better defensive team in Baltimore than they did in the minors of the Minnesota's organization. So to go to that organization, and they had a lot of older defensemen that were very good that had played, played in the NHL, and it, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Was it a fun season? Was, Just was, getting into pro? It was to, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It when, was great. The old American League back then really a lot different than it is now though like it was very regional right like you were in Baltimore was that kind of an outlier to some of the maritime teams that were in the league or the New England teams yeah, a lot bu- of travel we bust a lot yeah, yeah. which I loved at that time you know and I got sat up at the front of the bus and, and pretty country you know we went through uh, Maryland and into Canada St. John's and, and New York played there a lot and so yeah it was it, it was a regional kind of thing and uh, spent a lot of time on the bus at different times. You really bond with people when you spend all that time on an iron lung, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and speaking of that, you know, it had beer on the bus too at yeah. that time. Back and you didn't then. mind that, I guess. Yeah, no. I didn't mind that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with some of those guys from the early years? No, I haven't kept in touch. You know, you, you play on a lot of different teams and, and you, you don't keep in touch like you should. Yeah, it's, yeah. well, it's, it's hard to do. I think, I think that's something that our generation is actually lucky about, that for all the, the good and bad that comes with social media and those things, it has, it has made it easier, right? Yeah. I have friends that from college in my early years pro that I still occasionally message with that I don't think if I'd played 20 years ago I would have had that luxury. Yeah, you don't want to be like the player for the Cardinals that when the coach was cussing and swearing and the locker room was recording that. No, that's... <laughs> you don't want to... Out- Probably don't want to do that. No. That might take it a little too far, but... Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, it would be better to keep it. Are you a Cardinals fan now that you're in St. Louis, or you still remain loyal oh, to I, the Twins? I definitely... Well, I watch the Cardinals more than the Twins because you don't get to see the Twins right. so much. Right. Yeah. Were you, did you play other sports growing up too, or were you just strictly hockey? I played baseball for a little while and uh, football for a little bit. I didn't play all the way through my high school. Yeah. When you got into pro hockey, you get through that year in the American League. When did it click for you that you thought, I can do this, I can be an NHL goaltender full time? And then when did that first transition happen for you? Well, I think you have to believe if, if you're wanting to be a professional athlete in your mind you have to believe that you can 
And so I always believed I could, but uh, believing and, and doing are two different things, you know. So it, it's a process of learning and growing and working hard towards that. It, things don't, for me, didn't just happen that way. It right. just didn't jump right in there and never did. Minnesota was kind of in flux. I remember talking to Don Beaupre how it was going back and forth. And so your, your first couple of years there is the same way. You went up and down a little bit. Uh, and when you finally crossed that bridge and, and made it full time, what was that feeling like to just be there finally for a full season rather than having to go up and down with the call-ups? Yeah, Lou Nanny was the one that gave me the opportunity. He was the general manager. And uh, so he did give me a, and he was planning on bringing me in. But at some point in time, he just decided that I wasn't what he wanted there. So they had a change in management there in Minnesota. So they got a new general manager. And he come in and, and said that whoever does the best in training camp is gonna be given an opportunity. And in the previous years, statistically, I was one of the best goalies there. And I was never given like a full chance. I didn't think right. that was in my mind. But this new general manager came in and, and, and what he said was true. Like he did give the people that did better in training camp had an opportunity, at least an opportunity to play. And I didn't feel that I was gonna with, with Lou Nanny, I wasn't going to get that opportunity again. It seems like you kind of have this history of grabbing things by the throat when you had the chance to do it. You know, is that always your mentality is when you saw something available, like, I'm going full throttle for this and I'm going to take it? Well, I've always been very competitive. Yeah. <laughs> so competing against other people and, and wanting to get in there and, and do the best that I can and believe that I can do better than other people is what what I thought I could do at times, but at times, you know, you, it's a growing experience, you know, you, you have to work hard to, to get to that place. I mean, I grew up as a fan of you, okay, so my age group, you know, and I, but I saw that competitiveness in how you played. You know, you were a very aggressive goaltender, I think. I mean, you were out of your crease, you were very active, you'd at get in scrums, I mean. At it, times it, too aggressive, probably. You think so? Yeah. Probably. Like looking back on it, do you think that there's areas of your game where you would have changed it maybe how you played? Well, I think you ha I tried to rein myself in at times, you know, yeah. and sometimes it gets away from you. But uh, in the playoffs especially, uh, you have to be stay closer to home. You can't range out there so much. You have to be more concerned. I mean, you were the master of the flying poke check. <laughs> from a, I mean, from a young age, was that something that you you were just always game to do whenever? I mean, you'd be at the top of the circle sending it with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think when I, my first or second high school, Grand Rapids Indians, I think I did more of that because I had more confidence that they would pick up the people on the side. Uh, where I grew up originally, uh, Green Ray Raiders, didn't have that confidence that they would pick people up there. So I didn't, I wasn't quite as aggressive. But uh, with them, uh, they were very good defensively. They, they were a very well-organized uh, team. And uh, I felt more confident with them protecting the other 
people so I could be more aggressive towards the one with the pond. In the late 80s, early 90s, your era, I mean, it was pretty rough to play, though, too. I mean, there's there fights, there's everything. Fighting, yeah. Did you feel that you had that responsibility just to your teammates that you had to be involved at certain times, too? I don't know. It, it, no, I didn't. I don't think I felt that way, but that was a different, like you say, it was a different time. So I think most players were more aggressive, you know, so at that time. And, uh, and you almost had to be. Because there were times when teams got intimidated by uh, fighters at that time. I don't know if they talk about that much, but when I was in Baltimore, we had one of the two toughest guys in the league. So that team did not get intimidated, but I've been on other teams that played against someone like that, and they were intimidated by that. So it, it affected their play. The fear factor was real to a certain yeah, extent, yeah, right? It yeah, definitely was a real thing back then. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the teams I played for, especially early on, yeah, if they had a couple of guys that you had to watch out for, it had you on your heels. Yeah, yeah, made them scared. Right. So you couldn't play, they can't play the game that they wanted to play. Kind of, I mean, it's a little different, but like the Blues against uh, Boston, you know, the checking. It's, it's a, they're all legal checks, but when you're being hit every time you touch a puck, then that puts a little fear. So you can't think as fast or as well because you're wanting to get rid of the puck before you get hit. Yeah, talking about the Stanley Cup Finals last year, yes. the Blues just wore them down nonstop. Yeah, and then it was all legal. It wasn't fighting. It wasn't uh, illegal things. It was all legal things, but uh, it takes a toll, like you say. Yeah, there's different kinds of toughness and heaviness to play with. And, you know, as the games transition now, it's it's less fighting, but you can still bring the physicality yeah. to it. When you watch hockey Maybe. now, do you watch a lot of hockey first and second? You know, where do you think the game's at now? Do you enjoy it as much as your time? Well, I don't have cable. That's, a, I think, a sad point to me. Like, you can watch football and you can watch baseball, but hockey's hard to watch unless you have cable or a special hockey channel, and I don't. So I don't get to watch as much as a, of it as I would like. But uh, I, I think it's it's a faster game. There's a lot of bigger players, bigger, strong. Goldies are bigger and stronger, yeah. you know, and, and they move well. The average size is over 6'2 now. I, I, I was told that they don't draft goalies unless they're 6'2 and up now. Pretty much true. If you're under six foot, you're going to have to be the best goalie in the world under six foot yeah. to make the NHL. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But they're it makes all sense, though. Yeah, they're all bigger. Yeah, they right. cover more net. Yeah. They can go down and they're very flexible, you know, and they go down and, and they cover everything on the bottom. And they move well side to side too, you know. Can you big guys? Can you believe the, how much the equipment's changed things though? Like I think about your pads, 32, 33 inch maybe. Yeah. You know, mostly up to your knees. There was no thought of covering the five hole with it, right? Was no. was your equipment more based on mobility than coverage? Yes. Yeah, because you had to move around. But I think they have both now with the uh, with the pads, you know because they cover the five hole when they go down because they're so big, but they're also able to move side to side. So they have, I think, the best of both now with the equipment changes. Yeah. Looking back on it, wouldn't it be amazing to take what can be done now 
and toss you in a time machine back to your time and how much better you'd be than everybody else and ahead of the curve if if this type of coaching and equipment was available that back then you know yeah it's chain it all changes you yeah. know you do the best with what you have when, when you have it you were you were Vaughn I think almost strictly right yes so and you always had a lot of color to your gear did you make your did you get to make the decisions on how your gear would look was it important to you yeah yeah the colors yeah whether you had black or green or you know blue for the blues yeah uh, you had a lot of input with that and then the mask you had some input with with your mask well, your mask was, I think your Minnesota North, North Stars mask really was iconic. And they were so simple back then. You know, I, I always knew you were in that. You had the, those green stars on the top of it. Do you remember who made that mask or who painted it? Was it a cover Out of Toronto. Uh, Harrison, maybe? Yes. So you had a Harrison. Yeah. Apparently those were hard to get. Yeah, it took them a long time to make them. So you had put in like a year in advance to, to get a mask or, or more. And it was custom molded? Custom molded, yeah. They, and that's a little claustrophobic. So they were made with, I think at the end at least, with Kevlar in them. So they would mold your face with it and then build the mask from that. And then I don't know if he did the artistry himself or had someone do that for him. Yeah. I mean, that was a gorgeous mask, though. Do you still have it? One is in the Hall of Fame in Toronto, one of them, and one was stolen from there. Oh, man. I We're, lost uh, three masks and three jerseys here in St. Louis. No kidding. Yeah. Did you did you get to keep jerseys when you played? Some, not all. Yeah, yeah some jerseys. They, they would give you some. It depends on the team. Yeah. So even nowadays, it's still like that. People think that we get jerseys from everywhere we've played, and it's it's not always like that. And originally, uh, the team paid for your equipment, and uh, they kept it. Really? Yes. So then I made, with Vaughn, one reason I kept Vaughn is I made an agreement. Like, I think they paid some goalies some, but I just wanted my equipment. So I, they didn't. The team did not have to pay for the Vaughn equipment. So I kept it all. That's a good deal. Yeah. yeah. So how much during your career? How much did the training change? You talked about like coming into camp in shape, but for you personally, how did the evolution of like your summer training go throughout your career? Well, uh, I probably could have worked harder uh, in the summer. I did a lot of fishing and. And playing around and but you're working on your mind yeah it relax some yeah we're goalies you but, gotta relax but i mean towards the end or you know i'd take a month off or so and not really do much of anything and then uh <clears throat> start back up again and fight and, and, and do some weights and some other they, they gave you a program uh that you try in the fall okay so by that point they were giving you pretty strict guidelines on yeah, what to do by then yeah I wanted to ask about the season you had with Herb Brooks, just how he was as a coach. You know, I mean, there's the mystique about him with the U.S. Olympic team and how that was with people of that age, but how was he as an NHL coach? Well, I think it was harder for him. You know, with uh, college, you have all the control. You know, they're trying to make it to the professionals. College players will do anything. Uh, professional players aren't quite as... Uh, easy to intimidate or uh, to uh, push and 
so I think there were some changes uh, in coaching that he was going through uh, to adapt to coaching with uh, professional players. But I think still, in all in all, I think he had a good uh, program, you know, that uh, his the way he was coaching and, and what he was trying to implement was, was good. Just, uh, I don't think he was there very long. I don't think it right. worked out all that well. Isn't it funny how there can be such a difference, though, between college and professional? Like we've even seen it now. Some of the college coaches have had a bit of a diff difficult time adjusting to the NHL straight from there. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Now, and, and the game is even different today from and people are different. They're not willing to put up with quite as much as, as we did when, when I was there. You were willing to put up with a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever coach said happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the coaches would be really intimidating to you, right? I mean, if if you don't do things my way, we can we can send you somewhere else, no problem, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're more vocal and more physical, and yeah. Did you ever see anybody actually get involved with a coach on the ice? I don't think I ever saw that. Yeah. No, no, I don't think that ever happened. I don't think a player would have challenged a coach t to that point. A coach yeah. would have to go after the player. So when when I played, I don't think a player would ever go after a coach. Yeah, I mean, you've had some, you've had a lot of coaches that are, you know, you had Bob Gainey on that run that you had, who was an excellent coach, I'd imagine, right? Like, yeah, very good coach. Was that season with the North Stars when you went to, that was the cup final year, right, I believe? Yeah. One of them? Like, yeah, yeah. Was that a highlight of the time in your career? Sure, sure it was. Yeah, he had a very good coach. So he, he brought more defense into the into the organization. Uh, Pierre Page was also coach there that brought more defense into the or organization. So they did a lot of good things for uh, Dallas Stars and uh, Minnesota North Stars. Lots more with John Casey in a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Skin Effects Wraps, designed and produced by Mark Magnanti, based out of Rochester, New York. Small company, American company, professional vinyl wrapping, specializing in goalie masks. If you want a quick, affordable way to make your mask look good, I cannot recommend Mark enough at Skin Effects Wraps. He did a fantastic job for me this year when I was in a bit of a pinch. I had an old mask that just didn't look good when I would occasionally be on the ice practicing with the Vegas Golden Knights. So Mark helped me out. Made it look great. The turnaround time was outstanding. You wouldn't even hardly tell that it wasn't traditional paint. The wrap looks so good on the mask. So if you're looking for something, again, quick, affordable way to get your mask looking good, looking right for the team that you're on, hit up Skin Effects Wraps on Facebook, Instagram, or send Mark an email at skinfxwraps at gmail.com. Thanks to them for helping me out, and thanks for supporting Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. What was it like when Madonna showed up on the scene? You know, this young, dynamic kid, first overall, was it a shot in the arm to the organization? Yeah, he was a great player. Uh, could skate, could shoot. But that time, you know, now, uh, speaking of equipment, he broke a lot of sticks where he probably would have scored, whereas now with the composite sticks and that, because he's a pretty strong young man uh, when, when he came in. And uh, with the sticks that we have of today, I don't think they would have broke. Uh, he would have been scoring more. Yeah. So he, was he pretty tough to stop in practice, too? He was a good hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a good hockey player. Was there anybody in practice that made you nervous? Somebody would ring him up high off your ears way too often. The Cordino brothers. On <laughs> 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 <I'm> purpose. <laughs> yeah. Come on, did you have a battle going with them a bit? 
were good hockey players, Jeff and uh, the other one. Yeah. Jeff and Russ. Russ. Yeah. yeah. Boy, they like to shoot high. I guess they wanted to practice, but, but you know, when they're going by your ears, it's not very fun for a goalie. No, that's a. I always gave the guys, the first drill was, I'd always ask, hey, just let me feel the puck, at least the first drill, guys. And then from there, we can go, because like our gear is pretty good now. Yeah. Like really, we're, especially the kids that are 19 or 20 years old now, they'd come out and they're the hazards. They're the ones I'd be worried about because their goalies have always been invincible. You weren't invincible. I mean, your gear wasn't great, right? It hurt to get hit up high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times the shoulder pads and that fall down some, so you get hit in the collarbones. So that didn't feel too good, and there was nothing there. And I didn't like that it had a, a neck piece. I didn't couldn't breathe very well with the, the neck piece that protected me. Yeah, you never had anything on your neck, right? You were pretty open. No. Did it, was there anything like that that kind of made you nervous? Skates and like thinking of Clint Malarchuk too, you know? And yeah. That always that was the one thing that scared me. Well, I had a, an incident uh, in Baltimore in the playoffs. Uh, at the end of the playoffs, the last game that I played, we played one more game. I wasn't able to play. I had a guy jump up, and I didn't like knee pads either. Mm -hmm. And I went down. Guy was shooting from the point. The guy was in front of me screaming. Me. And he jumped up in the air because the puck was coming towards both of us. And he landed on my knee with his skate. And uh, I've got a, a sieve about like that on my leg where he opened me up. Scalloped it right out yeah, like just, that. Oh, man. It's like that big. Wow. Did you miss a lot of time with that? Well, it was like it was in the playoffs. So it was that we lost the next game, and that was the last that game. That was it. Wow. What's it like to be on a team that goes on such a deep cup run like you did? To get that close to it, like even losing out on it, is there still that big sense of accomplishment? Yeah, I think yes. Yes, there, there is that. But you always want to win. But yeah, it's disappointing in the end. But we had a bunch of good players and they did everything they could. And sometimes you don't win. You know, that's just the game. And even if you do all that you can do, if your team does all that you can do, sometimes you, you don't win. That's, that's any sport or definitely hockey. It had to be fun to be part of it. Like the atmosphere, you talked about Chicago Stadium. The Great. finals probably had a similar feel to it like that, right, on the big stage. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, in Minnesota, we made it to the finals against uh, uh, Mario Lemieux and uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, and there were a couple players on that team that I had played with uh, in the minors when I played years ago. That's right. What a dynamic. Yeah. It's kind of similar to Bennington when he was in the Boston organization and plays them in the finals. Yeah. Kind of like you who had. Well, and they had a, Boston had a really good team, too. You know, the Blues did well by being able to beat them. Yeah. You even touched on it yourself about the Lemieux goal and how we, we talked. There were four of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four breakaways. There were four goals. <laughs> but, you know, isn't it funny how that's kind of what we're remembered for, right? You know, it's. <laughs> but he was very good on on breakaway, kind of like uh, Oshi. Oshi is pretty good on breakaways. Mario was very good too, and uh, what was I it? was too aggressive uh, 
trying to challenge him, and he covers a lot of area. He's a big, not as big as some of them are today, but at that time he was a big man. Yeah. And he could move the puck laterally a long ways and uh, just kind of went around him. Yeah, big reach of his. Yeah. Was, when you would go into buildings against teams, were you looking through their roster of who they had, having your kind of your Rolodex on what they've done before pre-scouting? Yeah, I, I wish we would have done a little more of that. You know, I I, I didn't like uh, the video, but videos of their better scorers, I, that would have been a good thing. Mm-hmm. And um, But I tried to be aware when they were on the ice. Like uh, there was one for the Islanders, uh, Bossy, uh, when I first started, and very good shot. And he would come down the wing and, and release it, quick release. And you had to know when he was out there and you had to be preparing yourself earlier than most people and uh, just getting set in position. Yeah. So you wanted to know when uh, Mario Lemieux was out, it was pretty easy to see him. Or, yeah. But, uh, Yager, the better, Yager too. Yager, that, the better yeah. players, you wanted to know when they're on the ice and where they were on the ice at all times. Well, Yager was really unmistakable with that big mullet he had out the back of his yeah. helmet. And <laughs> when You know, you ended up headed to Boston after Minnesota. What was that transition like? You'd spent your whole you know, upbringing with this one organization, and now you're going to go into Boston. It's not Midwestern, it's not hometown, it's a new team. What was that like for you? It was a huge change uh, to go to Boston. Like, they were talking about Tom Brady. He was getting booed the other day uh, at, at his own building, and all of that organization has done for for them there, for the fans. You yeah. know, how well they've done over the years, over the last 10 years. There's not a better team in, in the whole NFL than, than they have been the last time. Arguably in sports dating back to the, probably the Canadians from the 60s, 70s. You know them. So that's kind of an example of uh, what's out in, in the East Coast, you know, what, what happens to everyone out there. So Minnesota, sorry about that, but uh, Minnesota was very supportive. I was from Minnesota. I was a, like a hometown favorite. So leaving that and going to Boston where there were a lot of people that Andy Moog was a goalie before me that I replaced for that year and he was a favorite so I wasn't accepted very well when I first especially when I first arrived through no fault of your own yeah it's just nothing I could do but right but the media and, and and fans and so I had some fans my own fans that uh booed me every game Oh. They were on the runway, and and they booed me every single game that I went out there. Isn't it hard to play when that's the scenario? It's it's not really like tough love. It just sucks. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I never had to deal with that before. You know, and you can understand. I loved when I went into the opposing building and they were booing me. I right. Loved, yeah. it, it would amp you up. Yeah, right? I love that. Coming out for a first star when yeah. everybody's yelling at you yeah. and waving at them. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> your own fans, then that's something different. Yeah. I mean, you still it had a pretty good year there. You won 30 games. Yeah, we won second round a, playoffs. A run, a run where we had 14 games without a loss. So, yeah, we had a, a good uh, a good run or a good uh, year there, our right. team did. And we had uh, we were doing well. I, we played in the playoffs. We beat uh, 
Montreal in the first round, and they were a better team than us. Yeah. We beat them, and then we were playing New Jersey, and we were beating them 2-0. to zero. We went into their building, because they had a better record than us. We went into their building, beat them two games, and our general manager yelled at us for an hour. After you're already up in the series? Yeah, we were up 2-0 to zero in the series. We went back into, into Boston, and the general manager yelled at us for an hour. How does the team respond to that? We lost four straight. Wow. <laughs> That's how they responded. Yeah. 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 I don't understand. I've never seen the general manager come in like that in the first place. It's a coach's job. I've seen it once. We lost two. Yeah. The same thing happened. We had a GM come in and, and pull, it was three or four players off to the side on their own in playoffs. And guess what? We lost. Yeah, that's not something that should happen. Don't you want a vote of confidence? Yeah. Right? You yeah. want somebody in your corner. Especially if you're winning, you know? Like, <laughs> why would you do that? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's it's surprising. I mean, and you had Brian Sutter as a coach, too. And yeah. It, that, it's, you, don't, you were only there for one year. Right. And then ended up in St. Louis. Yeah, like I said, I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. Yeah. I had another year on my contract that I could have stayed there. But then I became a free agent for the summer for like two weeks or whatever. And St. Louis gave me an opportunity to come here. Were you excited? I mean, it's become home now. Um, but what did you see in that team and that organization that made you want to come to here versus other places? Well, I, wasn't, I didn't have that many opportunities okay. at that time, for one thing. But I did want to come back to the Midwest. St. Louis was a great community, I thought, yeah. and is a great community. So. Did you have thoughts of the old arena playing in it? That was an interesting place. Yeah, it was fun to play, you know, the old yeah. arena, but there were mice running around in the locker room. <laughs> there were cats down there that they kept. Yeah, yeah. for the mice, probably. Right. Try to keep them down. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you were here when you moved into the new building, right? Yeah, I think the first year. Yeah. yeah. But you also came in with Mike Keenan as a coach. So I liked him. Yeah. Okay. He was uh, a lot of people don't, but I liked it. He was uh, very family family oriented. So he brought. Uh, we had an all star break, you know, uh, in the winter time, and uh, at that time we played like Florida, <laughs> somewhere around right before the all star break, and then you could bring your family down and uh, stay a couple days down there with your family and then like my family sometimes I'd want to bring them to a game or you know like in LA or something he was all for that that's nice yeah there's so, a lot of teams that wouldn't do that no, back then no and uh, when, when I was in Minnesota the football teams did that kind of stuff like that all the time hockey doesn't do yeah. didn't do or doesn't do a lot of that and then when Quenville came he's a very good coach but he's not about family and uh, I had a meeting with him about my family being in LA, but I had set that up when Keenan was a coach and he got let go. Right. And then Quenville came in and uh, basically yelled at me for having my family on the road. Had it had that dynamic changed for you when you had kids? I'm guessing you had kids at that time. Yeah, it's, I had kids with. Yeah. How much did it change you as a as a person and player when your family? 
started to become involved? I don't know when you were married and had kids, but what was that that change like for you? Yeah, I had a child in college. I had one in college, my last year of college. So I've had kids pretty well my whole life. Yeah, so they've been part of your pro career the whole time. Yeah, and, yeah. and family's important, you know. <laughs> yeah, it it's more. It's the most important yeah, thing. So why can't? Why shouldn't they be able to enjoy what Dad's doing? Right. This is the coolest thing in the world. Dad's playing in the NHL. Right. Yeah. And a lot of coaches are very supportive of that. Pierre Paget was very supportive. Bob Gainey at one time was very supportive of family and that. So. That's, I, I believe that's an important quality for yeah. a coach to have. Were you at that point in your career, I, I don't know if okay is the right word to say, but accepting of the role that you were starting to take there, I mean, that's when you essentially became a backup. backup you know? No, I never really liked it. Uh, at one time, point, uh, the first year, I think Keenan was still the coach, uh, Curtis Joseph got hurt and they put me in. And we had a good run, and I thought I was playing well. I thought well enough to uh, to be number one, mm -hmm. but uh, it didn't end up that way. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of uh, self defeating, or uh, it's hard to take. Anyway, right. For for a goalie, though, most of the time wherever I was, uh, I worked into at least. Uh, a number one position. Yeah, it's not an easy transition to do at all. I mean, no, some I, guys, I feel like some guys some that do it. don't mind it, but I do yeah. not like it. Well, and especially guys that maybe do it early in their career. I talked to Jamie McLennan, and fairly early in his career, he kind of crossed that bridge to thinking, okay, I may not be good enough to be, number, be a number one, and you obviously were good enough to be a number one, but for him, he realized, okay, I'm going to make the most out of what I have now. You know, so I think his was more kind of dictated by him knowing he didn't have that skill set, whereas you did. You know, you'd been a number one and successful. It's, it's that just, time. Yeah. yeah. So that that team had some big personalities on it, though. Brett Hull, you know what? Yeah, some characters. Being his teammate, what was that guy like to play with? There's so many funny stories about him. Did you enjoy playing alongside Hully? Yeah, we got along, I think, fairly well. Uh, he can be tough on his teammates at times, or could be at that time, tough on his teammates, you know, his line mates anyway, the ones that are playing with him. But uh, definitely wants to win, you know, he's competitive, so right. that, that's a positive. Pretty incredible shot. Boy, could he shoot it? It seemed like it accelerated. Huh. So, like, most pucks get up and get on plane and go the same, and his, like, you think you have it, and then just it would just go by it. Was he? Yeah, he these big forearms like Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> and he could, yeah, he could really shoot. I mean, you played against Bossy. You played with Hall. Were those the two premier shooters that you saw? Al McGinnis could shoot. Yeah. And he disguises where he's shooting. And that's the big thing, you know. Like Ally Afraidy could shoot at the same speed as Al McGinnis, but Al, you could tell where he was shooting, and mostly he kept it on low. You know? I afraid he did, yeah. Yeah, but Al would shoot high, and he would look one direction and shoot another, and he shot over 100 miles an hour, and. It's hard to keep up, you know. And sure. For me, it was hard to keep up sometimes when, when he I played against him. Especially because there weren't many guys doing it 
So when you saw somebody that could really shoot that hard, it was different. Like every everybody now shoots the puck hard. Yeah. So it's kind of become your reality. Well, the sticks are unbelievable. Oh man, they're the weapons, aren't they? Off yeah. <laughs> and I can see, you know, they're like three hundred dollars a piece or four hundred dollars. But I can see why because right. they are that good. There's a lot of technology involved in those. Yeah. You went to Peoria the next year of all places. Did that catch you completely off guard? to be headed to the minors? A lot of times I'm asked to go to the minors. Really? Yeah, to to play. Oh. I don't like not playing. So I've asked, I think I asked to go there. Yeah. So that season, though, you played a lot of games, and then you end up playing in playoffs for the Blues. So do you think that having gone to Peoria and played all the minutes you did helped prepare you to play in playoffs that season? Well, well now they, they try to... Uh, play goalies more um, equal or closer to equal. For a while there, they were having goalies play 60, 70 games a year, which is too many right. for one goalie to play. Uh, like Grant Fuhrer played like 70 games. So for me to play 10 games, you're not going to be ready. You know, you can't be ready playing 10 games a year and sitting all the time. So yes, that, that made a big difference. I believe it made a big difference being able to play. Uh, consistently and being ready. So did you find the jump between leagues to be big at all or did you just feel like you were even more prepared because you'd been playing? I don't think there are there definitely a difference in the leagues but uh, it's the same game and uh, if you're playing and there's good quality players that, that are in the minors that don't get opportunities or have had opportunities that could still be there you know mm-hmm. so there's still plenty of talent in the minors and and still a good game. Yeah, and Peoria back then was a fun place to play with the fan base and everything, yeah, right? It yeah, it was great. Yeah. Peoria was a great time. They, but it was very safe. You could walk downtown at that time. They had a, a boat, casino boat that went out. They had uh, restaurants right downtown that uh, we went after the game. And it was a great community. Was it one of the... Where was the most fun place that you played, really, in terms for your family and everything? Is there one to single out? Probably, uh, for, for me, I don't know about my family, but probably Minneapolis. Yeah. Because I was from Minnesota. But secondly, it was probably St. Louis. Yeah. Well, you ended up here. I'd hope that yeah. you liked the place. But so. <laughs> the only probably the only problem, you know, or difference is that I was, like you said, I was the backup goalie for most of the time. Right. Oh, and that, and that playoff run. It's your career here. We talked about it again. Like how you're remembered for some things. Everybody asks about the Iserman goal, right? So here's your chance to set the record straight. Tell us why that puck was it screened through the d's feet and tough to read did well, it deflect you know no it didn't deflect it went through the defenseman so it was harder to pick up did and you, it, it, did you see shot it. it you know it was a good shot did you see it off the blade the release with the d's feet i don't know if i saw it i i didn't pick it up right away anyway yeah and, and uh this is really important for people to understand that if you don't pick it up right away as a goalie, you're in trouble, right? It, yeah, it's hard. I mean, seeing the puck is everything for a goalie. That's right. And if you're not seeing it, at least initially, so I didn't see it until maybe halfway through or something. You know? Right. But it was a second overtime, and it was a one to nothing game. And you've and, played unbelievable, too. And, like, <laughs> and you're tired, you know, too, you know? like. Yeah. 
you're kind of hanging a little bit by the, that time. It's probably, it was like probably midnight at that time. Right. But yeah, so you're probably not top of your game at that time. You know, you're not. So I, I didn't pick it up right away. And it was a good shot. Yeah. He used the defenseman to screen, which is a good scorer to do. That's what they do. That's what Austin Matthews does now. They shoot it through the D's feet, and it's for a reason. If you don't see it off the stick, it makes life tough. Yeah, and, for, and they can shoot. Yeah, absolutely. Those long overtime games, you kind of you made me go back in my memory bank. I talked to Ron Tugnut on here, and, and Tugger said that they had like a 4 or 5 OT game in, in Pittsburgh, and they were bringing in pizzas and bacon and chocolate bars and anything they could get to eat to get them keep them going were those did you have any long overtime games and, and when you did how how did you keep your energy up for I them think that was the long two two uh, so you didn't have any marathons no nothing more than that I don't think. yeah when you think back to your career uh, you played 425 games but I bet you can think of a, a glimmer of almost all of these, but were there any real defining moments of your career where you, you felt proudest of what you'd accomplished? Well, I think as a team, like I said, it's a team game. So in Minnesota as a team, we went to the finals. I, I think that, and we didn't have as many skills as probably other teams that we beat. So I think, we worked harder as a team. They worked harder as a team. So that meant a lot to me at the time. Is that still a special group of guys that, you know, it, maybe if you don't keep in touch with them, but if you run into them, it's still instantly remembering those moments? Yeah, they're great guys. They're great guys, and they worked hard. And we had a couple really good defensive players on that team that really helped a lot for us, too. They, they would mirror, uh, like, the better forwards on the other teams and until Mario, which at that game, that series, they weren't mirroring him. I don't know why the coach didn't have him on, on because they should have been. Sure, yeah. He scored, he, he was a difference in the series. But on the other games and series that we played, the, the high scoring forwards did not get that many opportunities because we had two really good defensive players that Gaetan Duchesne and Steve, uh, what's the other one? I can't remember the other one, but we had two very good ones that they could skate and they were very smart defensively and they just were all over them. The guys who don't always get enough credit, right? Right. And they were great players. Last question for you here. Minnesota, what was the feeling when Basil McRae and Mike Madonna end up filming in the Mighty Ducks and the movie comes out. <laughs> I think any, you know, at that time especially, I think hockey uh, with, the, uh, with the new televisions and the higher definition is so much better for the fans. But back then, anything to do with to promote our game, whether it's something like that or anything, was great because our game wasn't as promoted, I think, as baseball or football or other sports. So that was unbelievable. That was great. Great for hockey and, and good for them. Did you guys have it playing on loop in the locker room after it came out to give them a little bit of trouble? We, we had the video there for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a fun hour. I mean, you. 
you've, you had a really diverse career, and, and I love talking college hockey especially, too, because that was instrumental to you. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks to John Casey for sharing a coffee and some great stories. If you enjoy Six Degrees, please subscribe and rate in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to all your podcasts. If you're interested in advertising, please contact Believe at BLEAV.com. As always, you can find me at MikeMcKenna56 on all the socials. I'm also available for online goalie coaching. If you're interested in that, head to 44visionhockey.com, fill out an application, and we'll set up an introductory Zoom meeting. Thanks for listening to Six Degrees with Mike McKenna. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.